Amen. Yeah. Does anyone here have a past? <laughs> yeah. Of course, we all do. I mean, some of, of us may have a checkered past. Some may just have a past and no real issues. And there may be some folks here that have some skeletons in the closet. I keep mine shut <laughs> tight. I don't want anybody to find out those skeletons, you know. But what I'm talking about is the sum of things that you are. All those things that made you who you actually are. And, uh, you know, some people want to live in the past. And it's, uh, it's like the good old days. But that's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's your past. And it's not really the stuff that you did, but who you are now compared to the different you. It's, it's who the people remember you as if they haven't seen you in some time. Think about a high school reunion. I went to one of them. That's all I could stand. I didn't go back anymore. But people would remember who you were in high school. And it may not match up with who you are now. It probably won't for sure. What I'm talking about today is what people remember of who you were. Because I'm telling you something. You're changing day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. It could be that we're a much different person than we were in the past and maybe more together, more mature, kind of got it kind of going for us. Or we still may be struggling with some things that we need to move on from. You see, your past is in the past. Leave it there. And people may think of the old you and ask, well, how can, how can they be so different now? You know, Jesus, very early on in his ministry, had to face his past. I want you to look at our scripture today. It's Matthew 13, just a few verses, 53 through 58. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved from there, coming to his hometown. He began to teach the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They ask. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And it says that he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You see, Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem. The angel spoke to Joseph, the father of Jesus, in a dream and said, flee to Egypt. And he was fleeing because Herod was going to kill all the young boys in Bethlehem of the age of Jesus. So he was trying to kill Jesus. And so Joseph, Mary, and Jesus and the family, they fled to Egypt. And when Herod died, the scripture says that 
an angel spoke to Joseph again, and he came back. He lived with his family in Nazareth. Now, Jesus dutifully worked in his family's carpentry business until he met a man named John the Baptist. And when he met John the Baptist after his baptism, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon Jesus, and, and a voice from heaven said, I am well pleased. You see, it can be difficult when you come back home or you go back to your hometown. You may have changed either for the better or the worse. And you know, you're probably not the same. And neither was Jesus when he went back to Nazareth. The young boy now is a man, and he came to his hometown, Nazareth. You've heard it, Jesus of Nazareth. You could put your name and your hometown in there, and you could go back there and Possibly people may not recognize you, not only because of your looks, but maybe who you are today. And it says this in verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved from there, coming to his hometown. You see, it was a homecoming for him. The scripture doesn't really elaborate on the family of Jesus ever leaving Nazareth to live elsewhere, but he came back not the same person. Word of Jesus was widespread. He had been in Capernaum on the top of the Sea of Galilee. He had performed many miracles, healings, feeding of the thousands. And all the things he was doing from the time he left and was baptized, see, he began to fulfill his purpose. And he came back no longer to make furniture. He, he came back home to make disciples. And it says in Matthew thirteen fifty four, he began teaching the people in the synagogue, in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and the miraculous powers, they asked? You see, the power on Jesus is undeniable. He was in the synagogue, in their synagogue. You see, you can leave a carpenter. You can come back a savior. You can used to fur, uh, finish furniture. Now you're finishing men and women. I mean, you could have left with the wrong crowd, and came back and you've ditched them. The last one that anybody remembers you of was you were the one that was out all Saturday night. But then they look around and you're not there anymore. And you're not doing the things you used to do. Jesus will change your life. The scripture says that they were amazed at this young man. But I want you to see how quick it'll turn on you. Matthew 13, verse 55. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? You see, they knew who he was and hadn't quite taken a hold of who he is. I hope you're getting all this because it relates to you. I'm coming right to you and me with this because I'm going to tell you something. Your past is in the past. You got to leave it there. Amen. It's behind you. Yes. It's not ahead of you. See, God's not looking back. God's looking forward. And you should not be looking back, tied up with the stuff in the back, 
You should be looking forward. That's where God wants you to be. Isn't this the carpenter's son? It's easy to get stuck in the past, especially if you don't know the Lord. And and you're in the past, and if nothing's changed your life, but even knowing the Lord, it's easy just to kind of go back into the old crowd. It has been for me. Kind of ease back into the old ways, the old language, the old thought patterns. Is it just easy for me or is it easy for you? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Knowing what Jesus had ahead of him, ridicule and scorn, a trial, a crucifixion, his disciples scattering, a burial. But you see, he didn't stop there. He knew what was coming. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I want you to know that you are the resurrection and the life. What nailed you to a cross, what ridiculed you, is behind you. They can shut you in a tomb, but you have the power of God to come back to life, to be a new person, to change your course. You don't have to stay on the cross or in the tomb. You don't have to stay the carpenter's son. It's okay that you were a carpenter back then. But you're not doing that anymore. You don't have to be remembered for who you were. Be who you are. See, Jesus had a destiny, and I want you to know you have a destiny. He, God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all know that. But, but let me bring you a couple more scriptures. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, God is looking at your future, not your past. Isn't that the carpenter's son? We're set apart. Before we were born, God set us apart. Ephesians 1.4 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You may not be holy and blameless in your walk right now. But he created you to be holy and blameless in his sight. You see, God's goal for you is what's ahead, not what's behind. And it may be year, month, week, day, minute, or second. It's this walk of faith that we do when we can leave what's behind us and move ahead. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He didn't choose 
for your past. He chose for your future. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's handiwork. I want you to think about Jesus in Nazareth. Is that the carpenter's son? He was making furniture. Can you imagine having a piece of that furniture in your house today? Well, guess what you are? Guess what you are? Guess what you are? You are God's handiwork. The same way that Jesus Christ, as a young boy, is that the carpenter's son, when he was in Nazareth making furniture with his father, I want you to know that that same Jesus Christ is not who he was when he was making furniture. He's making people now. And what he has done is he has made you his handiwork. I'm telling you, I hope you're getting this. Because when you're going in your house, you ought to be saying, I'm God's handiwork. And, and when you're getting in your car, you ought to be saying, I'm God's handiwork. I may not act like it. I may not talk like it. I may not feel like it all the time in my mind because, man, my mind can tell me stuff. And what in the world comes out of my mouth? Is that God's handiwork? You are God's handiwork. The more you say it, the more you believe it. The more you believe it, the more you are. And I want you to know that you can put some stain on there. You can rub it off with a cloth. You can buff it. You can put some urethane on it. And you may have to re-varnish it a lot. Because there's some spills on it. You left the glass of water. How do you like that? You left the glass of water <laughs> on it. You got to refinish it. You see, Jesus is in the refinishing business. That's what he did. He just went from refinishing this to refinishing that. Are you getting what I'm saying? I hope you are. Because you are the handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for you in advance. He planned it for you way ahead. And he's got works for us to do. Now, who are you? Who are you now from where you were? See, if you know the Lord, one thing is for sure. You aren't who you were. So be who you are. You, you are not who you were a second ago. As this word settles in your body, as this word settles in your spirit and your soul, my hope is that you'll be different right now. And you'll be saying, wait a second. I was the carpenter's son, but I, I'm not who you think I was back there. I still may be doing some things over here that I used to do. I still may be walking this way a little bit. But the closer you get to God, the more he's going to tug you back. The more he's going to bring you close. The more he's going to wrap you up. You aren't who you were. Be who you are. God's handiwork. Don't go back.
Don't slip in a pathway. Strain forward. Listen to this. It says in verse 13, brothers and sisters from Philippians 3.13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I, I'm still working on it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward for what's ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize, which God has called me heavenwardly in Christ Jesus. You see, you aren't who you were, so be who you are today. The scriptures go just a little further today when they look at the past. Matthew 13, 55. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. You've just got to know, and many of you already know, but when you start moving forward and out of your past, and you move out of your past and into your destiny, where you're designed by God to go, made special where God wants you to go, the nicest, brightest piece of furniture put together in the whole house better than anybody. When you make the turn, when you get your head into the wind, and when you start to climb, you take a deep breath, you say it's back here. You kind of get your mojo back. When you decide, I'm going to believe what God says about me, when your confidence comes back, when you get some spring in your step, when you aren't afraid anymore to say, I know Jesus Christ. Because everybody remembers. You are the carpenter's son. You can expect some opposition. When you aren't who you were, you can expect some relationships to change. I mean, it's easy for those around you to say, what happened to you? What happened to you? I've been refinished. I've been remade. I'm not who I was. I'm going to be who I am. You see, if you're always looking back, you're not looking forward. Only when you're backing up in the car. Your past is in the past. You see, the people of Nazareth, they expected the Jesus to be who he was, the carpenter's son. And they took offense at it because he allowed his life to be changed. He allowed his life to move forward. He stepped into his destiny. That's what he did. What if he'd have stayed making furniture? There'd be no trial. There'd be no crucifixion. There'd be no blood. There'd be no cave, no tomb. And there'd be no resurrection. 
Are you ready to move forward and forget the past? Do you want people to say, isn't that the carpenter's son? Because you've changed so much. Matthew 13, 58 says, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. See, your past is in the past. You are who you are. You were, so be who you are. So what do I do with this past? This week, one thing, if you can do, is think about your past and do what God did and does with your past. Forget about it. It's behind you. If you live in a past, you'll die in the past. Don't stay there. We need to go into the future, what God has destined us to be. And it's different for each of us. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ, different parts. Be who you are, who God destined you to be. You're his handiwork. You're his handiwork. Yeah. He wants you today, no matter what you've done. You can't do enough to separate yourself from God. Now, this Sunday is Communion Sunday. And what I wanted to do was to bring this man, Jesus of Nazareth, to bring him to life, to seed him into you today because you aren't the carpenter's son anymore. You're a child of God. Be who you can be, will be, and who God destined you to be. Now, we're going to have communion. And I want you to know that the communion is a remembrance of of Jesus Christ. He even said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to pass out the elements now. And you hold them. And as you're holding them and as we get ready, I, I want you to be thinking about what it is that God has for you as his handiwork. And as you have these elements and when we take them, I want you to think about the fact that if Jesus Christ had stayed a carpenter's son, where would we be now? Hopeless. And as you take communion, as we take it together, as this body, the body of Christ, it's for us. It's for us. Yeah. Dear God, I thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that Jesus Christ comes into our lives to change, 
to revolutionize, to refinish, to redo, to regenerate. I thank you, God. I thank you. When, uh, when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Yeah, this, this carpenter's son, he's, he's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying this. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, if you're ready to move forward, God sure is ready for you to move forward too. If you've got some things in the past that you need to jettison, now's a great time to jettison them. We'll have uh, folks that will be here to, to pray for you. We're going to open the altar. We're going to close the service as we open the altar and finish. If those of you need prayer, please come forward. We'll pray for you. If you need ministry, we'll work with you. We'll be able to see the word of Jesus Christ in you and let you get what you need, which is total forgiveness. Thank you, God. Thank you. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen.